Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, good morning, good morning. So glad to see you today. Welcome everybody that's watching online. We're so glad you're part of our service. I just want you to know that when Nick came out with the billboard that said 1015, that was his wife's idea. So I was not the one humiliated him this morning. But we'll talk to you a little bit about that. We just want to make sure our online experience, for those of you that get to watch it, uh, when you're away or when you're sick like my wife is today, or uh, when you're just not able to be here, uh, you can always watch our online service. But we've streamlined that. It's going to start at 1015 Instead of 10, it'll still be live. You're just going to come in when the welcome happens. And we're doing that to help out with some of the copyright stuff and all that. But we're really doing that to make that a very uh, fresh and wonderful experience for you. And we appreciate your faithfulness. It's been a great tool uh, when we were in that weird pandemic. And I said when we were in that because I believe it's done. And it's great to see people face to face and hugging on you and seeing you and seeing folks have been out for a long time. And I got to tell you... I had one of those thunderbolt moments this morning in church. You know, I, if I tell you when I get to meet you, it's a blessing for me to see you. It really is. I was talking, I'm going to, you're going to hate me for doing this. I was t- saying hi to the sweet couple over here. Didn't get to say hi to your wife, but I promise I will after church. And uh, we had something in common. And then somebody came around the front who I haven't seen in about 20 years. My friend Gina uh, was a member of our church in Jacksonville, Florida. And, um, one of the sweetest weddings I ever did. One of the sweetest weddings. And uh, her husband, Tom, was a dear, dear, dear friend of mine. We used to ride motorcycles together. Yes, this body is built for a Harley, okay? It is. But, and it's going to happen again someday. But uh, I think when I'm about 78 and can afford it, I'll do that again. But uh, Gina's uh, husband was such a good friend of mine, and their wedding was so sweet. I'll never forget when you were walking up the aisle, Gina. It's like, I can remember that like, like one of my four girls. Uh, that got married, uh, Tom le- reached over and said to me, make this quick, she looks amazing. That's what he said to me from the pulpit. But uh, he went home to be with the Lord this year, and we don't understand why things that ha- like that happen in such an um, abrupt way, you know. And some of you have gone through that this year. We have family in our church. Uh, our friends from the, from the East Coast lost a, lost a brother and a family member this year. And and perhaps you've experienced that too. So I really hope that, that not only our prayers for Ukraine, which are very sincere, and, and, and boy, it, it, it's scary, right? The Bible says in the last days, perilous times are going to come. Uh, but we know the one who's in control of all that. And in the midst of all the stuff that we deal with in our life that seems impossibly hard to go through, he's there. And Nate, I want to thank you. That, that was a very appropriate song today. You guys did such a great job, and we love you. Nate and his wife, Rachel, were driving through, and I said, stop and help us with music, and they did this morning. We appreciate that. He just accepted a pastorate uh, in Ohio. He's taking his dad's church. His dad's retiring, and they are going to do such a great, great job, and just good friends of ours, and we love them, and and we know God's going to use you to do great, great things, but Gina, thank you for blessing me. I'm so glad to see you today. God bless you, sweet lady, okay? Hey, I want to invite your attention to Judges chapter 10 with all of that 
uh, sweet loving we talked about right now. We're going to talk about anger today, right? Doesn't that seem a little bit appropriate? Uh, but, you know, <clears throat> anger is one of those things. Uh, we're going through the life of Samson. We called our series Stronger. And I want to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a few questions. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot, I think. But uh, how many of you have been impacted at some level by the anger of somebody else? Raise your hand up in the air. Okay. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for this one. How many of you struggle with anger a little bit, you know? <laughs> it's one of those things where you kind of like, you know, got your arm around your wife and you put your hand up in the air like that a little bit, right? <laughs> Anger's a real thing. Like, all of us have been impacted by it. Uh, when I was a student pastor, years and years and years ago, we had a sweet girl in our youth department. Um, her name was Joy, and she, is just a, she was a beautiful girl, sweet, sweet mom. Her parents were divorced, but her dad was involved in her life and this, this, and that. He was driving up what was called the Blue Route, uh, 476, uh, took you from kind of like Delaware County up to King of Prussia. You guys know what I'm talking about. And it was a big highway. It was kind of a funny highway story because they built like 90% of it, and then it sat still for like 35 years because of legislative weird stuff. The highway opened up. It was a huge highway that took you from uh, the Pennsylvania Turnpike down to I-95, I think it did. Anyway, that does not that that matters. Joy's dad was driving up the Blue Route one day, and somebody got very aggressive in a car that kind of did one of those things where they were behind him, swerved around him, and got in front of him again. And this guy was just having one of those awful, awful days. You know how stuff happens to you like that? When you're, you kind of just have a bad day, right? And then, not that that person had anything to do with your bad day, but the way that they treated you kind of made it worse. And I think that's what happened to this gentleman, professional, businessman. I think he was even wearing a suit and tie when this happened. This guy zipped around him, and he got so mad, and I think there was a lot of stuff going on in his life, that he cut this guy back off, and that person that was driving aggressively, when he kind of got him back a little bit, drove him off the road, and that aggressive car crashed, and the young person in that car died. Joy's dad had to go to jail for a few years because of that. And, and never thought, like that day, that something like that could happen to them, you know? But anger is such a powerful force in people's lives. And we're going we're gonna to talk, we're going to unpack it a little bit today. And, and understand that all of us have either been impacted by it or have to kind of ask the Lord to help us to give us patience with that. I'm a, I'm a guy, I, my anger's kind of funny. Um, I, I get angry. The Bible tells us to be angry and sin not. So we're going to hit that a little bit in a few minutes too. But if there's something that makes you angry, like all of us get angry at something, right? We may get angry at circumstances that take place in our life. We may get angry at the way that other people treat us. We may get angry at, at just like even the stuff that's happening in Ukraine. That may make you mad like that, that that's happening over there. And that may cause some emotion inside of you. We get angry when things are, are perceived to us as being unfair by, by what we're looking at and the way that we measure things, right? And we can get angry at that. We can get angry at the weather. I was talking to a new friend today in our church. He's from uh, the Bronx. He said, Pastor, I do not like this cold weather. I was supposed to be warm, moving to warm Texas. It'll be here tomorrow, I promise you, okay? But, you know, that can make you angry, you know? And there's just some things in our lives where we could kind of lose control of our emotions sometimes. And, it's, and, and listen, it's not the anger that gets us mad. It's our response or reaction. We're going to talk about that, but we're talking about the life of Samson and how anger was just an issue in his life. Listen to this story. Now, 
preceding the story is what we talked about two weeks ago. How Samson struggled with lust. He said to his mom and dad, I want that Philistine girl. I know she's a pagan, but she looks good. She makes me feel good, and that's the one I want. And in doing so, he broke his Nazarite vow, uh, the children of Israel kind of vow of being a Jewish person, all these different things. But he was driven by the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Lust is a very powerful thing. And he told his parents, you go get that girl for me. She's the one that I want. No, 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 no. Get one of the Israelite girls. They're so much better. This, this, and this. This, this, and this. No, that's the girl that I want. So we, as we continue in Judges chapter 14, you know, it's, it's amazing to me how this happened in so many people's lives. But the children made a decision that the parents just kind of acquiesced to. And that happens a lot in churches too, where where, where sometimes as, we, as, as our kids kind of grow up a little bit and they hit the 20s and the 20s, all the stuff that the parents were before starts to change because the theology of the kids goes different. That's another time and another place kind of message. But that's what happened here. Um, Samson's father and mother, the Bible says in verse, verse number 10 of Joshua chapter 14, as his father, this is, this is uh, Samson's father, was making final arrangements for the marriage, Samson threw a party at Timnah, as was the custom for elite young men, when the bride's parents saw him, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companions. So this dude couldn't even get guys to stand with him at the wedding. They had to pay people to stand with him at the wedding, right? All his bridegroom, all his uh, groomsmen were people that, hey, say, you come, you come, you come, you come, you come. And because he was elite, they probably found all the good-looking guys, right? Hey, we're going we're gonna to buy your tux. We're going to do this. We're... Boy, the way that they did weddings back then was so much better because the father of the groom was paying for this wedding. That's the way it should be for me anyway. Anyway, so Samson said this to the guys at verse number 12. Samson said to these guys, his newfound friends, these companions that were going to stand before, stand with him when he got married. So let me tell you a riddle. If you solve my riddle, in the seven-day wedding of the seven days of celebration, right? Their weddings were a week long. Oh my gosh! I will give you thirty fine linen robes and thirty sets of festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, then you will give me thirty fine linen robes and thirty sets of fe festive clothing. So it really is a good deal for him because if Samson loses, he has to buy. 10 people, 30 pieces, and 30 pieces, right? That's a lot of stuff. But all these guys would only have to buy one back for him. So the odds were kind of good uh, in, in this little gamble he was making here. So he said, uh, so let's hear your riddle. They said, all right, they agreed. We'll do that. Let's hear your riddle. So he said, okay, out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. That was his riddle, okay? Now, if you read back earlier in, uh, in Judges chapter uh, 13 and 14, when, when, when he was on his, on his way down to see this girl that caught his eye, he was approached by a lion. And he killed this lion by ripping its jaw off of its head. Now, can you imagine that? And the lion was dead. A couple days later, he sees the dead lion on the road. And for some reason, bees just planted in there and made a hive inside of that. And he scooped inside the dead lion, which is a very, very big deal because his Nazarite vow said, you're not allowed to touch anything dead. He broke all three of his Nazarite vows, and this is one of them. He reaches inside this dead lion, and he's eating honey from this. Like, yeah, I killed that sucker, bare hands. Now the bees are in there. He's not even afraid of bees. He's not afraid of a lion. He's not afraid of bees, that's for sure. Scoops inside of there, eats the honey. Then he says to this guy, this riddle, these guys, this riddle, out of the one who eats came something to eat, 
out of the strong came something sweet. So what he was referring to was the bee honey that was inside of this dead lion. That was the riddle. Three days later, they're still trying to figure this out. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, entice, there's a good word, entice your husband to explain the riddle to us or we will burn down your father's house with you in it. These are not guys you want to be groomsmen in your wedding, okay? We don't, these are not the guys for your kid's wedding, right? He says, so did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? So Samson's wife came to Samson in tears and said, you don't love me. You hate me. You have given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. I haven't even given the answer to my mom or dad, he replied. Why should I tell you? So she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. There's a happy bride to be with for a couple days. Hey, Samson, where's your wife? It's that chick over there that won't stop crying. She really loves me. I'm telling you, she loves me. She's really glad. Those are tears of joy, right? But she's crying and crying and crying and putting on this big charade to let Samson know that she's disappointed with him because of all of her buddies can't get this riddle, right? So before sunset, uh, so the Bible tells us again, at last on the seventh day, he told her the answer. This is great. Because she was tormenting him with her nagging. My wife said I'm not allowed to expound on that part of scripture this morning. My wife's not a nagging person. I'm just kidding. Then she explained the riddle to the young men. So so before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson replied, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved with my riddle. Again, don't ever call your wives a heifer, okay? Just don't do that. But the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to the town of Ashkelon, killed 30 guys, took their belongings, gave their clothing to the men who had solved the riddle. And then it says this, but Samson was furious. But. That word, right, is one of those words, that word but with one T, is something that follows after a statement in a sentence, and then when you see that word, whatever happened in the first part of that sentence changes. Right? It changes. The Bible says, but Samson was furious. He got so mad about what had happened, he went back home to live with his father and mother, divorcing or just walking away or annulling the marriage that he was a part of with that girl from the Philistine nation. He was angry. And frankly, if, if you re, as, we, as we consider the life of, of Samson this morning, uh, Samson didn't know how to respond nor react. And there's a difference between both of those. Uh, Samson was uh, really self-absorbed. Whatever made him feel good is what, is what was important to him. Samson was prideful. He didn't like these guys one-upping him that way. He was very, very prideful. And all of these things that took place, he was the biggest, baddest mamma jamma there was on the face of the earth at that time. Nobody could beat Samson. He was stronger than 50 men, than 30 men, than 100 men. You look at all the confrontations that he had with the warriors of the Philistine nation. He would kill them with a jawbone of a dead animal and kill hundreds of them. This guy you couldn't mess with, but you know what? He knew how good he was. He knew how strong he was. He had a terrible pride-pride issue, and his pride led him to deal with this anger issue. 
you know, we read stories like this. We're like, well, I never killed a lion, and I'm not going to reach inside of a dead lion, and I can't kill. And, and some of these things we read seem a little far, you know, far from reality, from the world that we live in today. But if we consider the emotion and some of the principles that we can learn from the story, I want to ask you some questions about anger. And these are hard questions to answer. How often do you blow your top? Like, how often is it do you find yourself at that point where you're, you ever hear the phrase to your anger, well, I'm losing it, right? And when you say I'm losing it, what are you losing? You're losing, you're losing control. And there's different ways that that happens to all of us, isn't there? Sometimes it happens innocently. I, I probably told the story to you before. Um, I was in my house one day. I was coming home. It was right after dinner. Kim was making some dinner. And um, I was walking in my bedroom. And, I, and I've got really big feet. I don't even know why I'm wearing white shoes because it makes them look bigger than they are. But I walked in my bedroom, and you know the metal posts that, on your bed frame? I, I, I just walked into it, you know? And my baby toe, my baby toe split, like, split open like that, right? The nail came off. And I'm going to tell you something. That little tiny injury I felt from the bottom of my both feet up to the top of my head. And my, I mean, I just got, and I was like, I, it would just hurt, you know? And I just remember yelling. I was like, well, at the time, my now 24-year-old daughter was about three, Emily, and she comes running into the room to see if I'm okay. Daddy, 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 you okay? And I saw her coming, and I turned this way, and she was this tall, and she ran right into me. She face-planted me right where you should not be face-planted. And, I, and, I, and I, so I'm already hurting. My emotions are like, you know, blah, I'm not, you know, I'm mad. And, and, and then she kind of hits me there. And, and I was like, Emily, what are you doing? That was the dumbest thing in the world for you to do. And she's just looking at me like, oh, I came in to care for you. And now you're kind of being a jerk. And I lost my cool with my daughter. And it hurt her. She kind of stepped back from me because she saw something in me that she hadn't seen before. And stuff like that happens sometimes, doesn't it? No, you're like, no, you're a freak, dude. That never happened to me, right? I have small feet, and I keep control of myself, and it was good visiting with you today. No, I mean, but you know what I'm talking about. There are just things in our lives that trigger us. And the things that trigger me might not trigger you, right? We all are different people, different, different things make us mad. But I'm asking this general question. When was the last time you, you felt like you lost control or you blow your top? Here's number two. Did you ever use your anger? to control people or get your way? It's happened to all of us, I bet you. Uh, does it give you satisfaction to know that there are people that fear you? You know, like, who said this to me today? My wife said this to me today. No, Katie said it to me today. In my office. I was talking to Evan before church. We're just talking, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I said to Kate, Evan walked out, Katie walked out. So I just had a nice conversation with Evan. And Katie goes, oh, that's really nice. She, he talks to me all the time. I said, well, he talks to me. I said, I just had a nice conversation with him. She says, yeah, but, Dad, but you intimidate people. If you know me, like, I, I have, I, when I get angry, I, sh I just get quiet, except when Emily runs into me when she's four. But I really do. Like, my anger is not an anger where, like, you see this big 300-pound guy, like, out of control and stuff breaking and stuff like that. But... You know, it's, it's really something that people like when other people fear them, right? Are you or your family members afraid of you or a potential reaction that you may have? Ooh. Do 
your angry outbursts hurt people spiritually, emotionally, or physically? So these are hard questions, aren't they? Because somehow it, it just impacts all of us one way or the other. Uh, so I'm gonna, I, I, want, I'm, I have two things that have about, you know, 10 things attached to it, but I have two points this morning. I want you to consider these reactions if you will ask God to help you control your anger. The first one is this, analyze your anger. Why, why am I getting so angry? Why am I getting so angry? Um, in 1983, the Philadelphia Phillies were playing the Baltimore Orioles in the World Series. It was game six or five, and my dad took me and my brother and my other brother and my sister, all four of us, to the ball game to go see the Phillies play in the World Series. And at the end of the game, the Phillies lost the game. I think Cal Ripken was like his first or second year in the league. I can't remember. But I just saw the Philly fans getting mad. And they started throwing stuff on the field, right? Because that's what they do. And I had a heart, I had a helmet, like a baseball helmet on that my dad bought me that day. And I was so mad that they lost that game that I took my helmet and smashed it on the ground. And my dad looked at me and was like, Really? And, like, I had to work, like, the next three weeks at 25 cents an hour to pay for that helmet. And if you don't think it's true, it's true. He really did that. But I lost my control. And I let, I let the anger of other people impact my life. And, and later on, I started thinking about that. I really wanted that helmet. Why did I? And I, I was laying in bed, like, as a 12, 13-year-old going, you are an idiot, right? Have you ever responded or reacted to somebody, and later you're analyzing and you go, why did you do that? Why did you react that way? Why did you respond that way, right? So analyze your anger. Here's four facts about anger. Anger is addictive. Like that can be something that, you, that, 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 that consumes you and you like the outcome of getting your way. So anger can become addictive. Anger also intensifies to maintain its effectiveness. You're not going to stay at a level three once your folks around you or your family gets used to three. You've got to amp it up to a four, five, or six to keep their attention. Anger, this is a huge one. Anger produces collateral damage. Because sometimes you're not just hurting that person that you're reacting to. Sometimes there's other people in other relationships that get impacted by that as well. And here's, a big, here's a big factor. This is the Jesus factor. Anger will stunt your spiritual growth. It can be something that keeps you from living in the blessings of God's, what God desires to do in your life and work in and through you. He can't use you to minister to other people if you are a person that deals with anger all the time. So here's the second point. We not only need to analyze our anger, we need to attack our anger. Here's some things you can do to control your anger. Here's the first thing. Let God's word become your counselor in this area of your life. I'm going to say this carefully. Because I kind of get, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say mad, like angry. It frustrates me that when somebody's going through something, hey, I'm, go, you know, this is, this is going through something and had, had a hard thing happen in my life, pastor, and this, this, and this, or, or to another Christian, and that Christian, that pastor will say, you know, brother, all things work together for good. That doesn't mean a whole lot to that person that's going through hell at that time. Sometimes the best thing to say to somebody that's going through something is nothing and just giving them a hug. Or just being there with them, right? Just being there. But sometimes we're like, well, I got to read a verse to make you feel better. No, that's not the way that it works. But if you personally will submit to God's word in your life, you know, every January we talk about this thing 
of try to read your Bible through in a year. My wife and I sit, and we've done this for about four or five years. We pick out a reading program together. We go to our little room in our house, and we, I read it. She listens to it on a, on, with an auctioneer reading the verse, and we read our Bible together so we could stay accountable for doing that. But there's some days, like when you're in, uh, uh, like I just finished Jeremiah, Lamentations, and I'm getting ready to do Ezekiel. That's not a day you really feel like doing jumping jacks. Lamentations, you know, it's not, it's not like reading Proverbs or the story of Jesus and the resurrection. You're, you know, and my wife said to me the other day, she says, is it wrong? Is it wrong if I'm a little bored by reading the book of Numbers? I said, no, just speed up the reading gal a little bit faster on your thing to get through it quicker, right? Because, so, you know, but there are times when you read it and a verse just kind of, do you ever have this happen to you when you're reading the Bible or even listening to a message and you hear the, because the word of God is what's powerful. There's nothing I'm going to tell you that's powerful. It's all the word of God. And there's just times that the word of God just kind of comes out and goes, you know, and kind of knocks you in the jaw a little bit. Meant for you, for that time, for that situation that you're going through, and you're listening and you're submitting. And, and you know, I, I used to, I, I tell my staff once in a while, I haven't said it in a while, but I would say to them, Hey, Saturday is a great day for, you know, kind of last-minute preparations. But we got to make sure we're not just ready for Sunday to happen. We're ready for something that God may have for us on Sunday. That's why I, I, I want to encourage you, before you come into church Sunday, whisper a little prayer for the Lord. Lord, I'm listening today because I know that whatever happens today, I need it. Right? And if you come in with that attitude... God's going to give you something that day if you're listening. Well, that's what happens to his word. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine. That means true teaching. For reproof, helps us to kind of understand and stay on track. For correction, because some of us need to get ourselves in line. And for instruction in righteousness. I read this verse to you earlier, Ephesians 4.26. Be angry, but don't sin. It's okay to be frustrated with stuff. It's okay to let, uh, for, for things to make you a little frustrated at what's happening in our world today. It's okay when somebody doesn't treat you fair and disrespects you, that you kind of, you know, makes you a little mad. That's the, it's, it's not wrong that you get mad. It's wrong, wrong when you react in a way that doesn't honor and glorify Jesus Christ. And that's hard. That self-control thing Woo, is that hard. I don't know what your buttons are. Like, there's different buttons that all of us have. And, and it's funny. Buttons that, that, that ladies have, what makes them angry. Like, I can tell you what, it make, what makes a lady angry. Talk about their kids a little bit. Right? Talk about their kids. Tell them their kids are this or, their, or, or talk bad. Oh, you know what really makes a woman mad? Talk bad about their kids behind their back, and they find out about it. Woo. Eye hath not seen, nor ear hath heard. I mean, that is one of those things that's going to get you in a lot of trouble. Uh, for me, I, there, there's, there's two times I can remember where I absolutely lost control of myself in my life, like out of control. One time, I was working in Springfield, Missouri when I went to Bible college. Right down the street from BBC, I was working. It was called, it's not called come and go, but it used to be called get and go. When we were in school, it was called get and go. And I was working the third shift. All three years in school, I worked third shift. I'd go to work at 10 o'clock at night. I'd get off at 6.30 in the morning, uh, shower sometimes, and be in class at 7.30 the next day uh, at school. It was, it was a long time, but it was great. God was good to us. 
So third shift, you know, third shift, you kind of kind of have to get used to it. Then you take a day off and you try to catch up on your sleep, which never works. So I'm, I'm at work on a Thursday night. I'm, I'm taking care of my business. Three o'clock in this morning, these two guys come in. They pick up a 12-pack of beer. The other guy picks up some food. He comes up to the counter and says, hey, bud, I'm sorry. It's after 2 in the morning. State law of Missouri said we can't sell beer after 2 o'clock in the morning, right? Because 1.30 is a much better time to drink beer than after 2 o'clock. I don't know why, but that was the law. And the guy says, okay, well, let me do this. And I rung him up, and it looked like he was putting him back. He actually reached and had a bottle, and he smashed it over my face. And he cut my eyebrow, and I had blood pouring down my face. And I don't know why. But I'm telling you, I had an incredible Hulk moment. Like, I absolutely lost it. I just lost it. I was really, really tired from school. I was like, what am I doing here working? And it was like, guess what? God just gave you the opportunity to kick somebody's butt, and it was righteous to do it. I don't know what it was. So I reached across the counter, and I went, boom! And I popped this guy in the jaw, and he fell on the ground. Then the other guy hit me in the back of the head with a can of beer. Listen, a bottle of beer hurts way worse than a can of beer, right? And I got home that night, and my wife said, boy, you really smell like beer. So she didn't believe it, right? So, so all this happens, and this guy runs out, and I, it, was, it was a melee. It really was. It was three guys against me, and I kind of came out on top of it, okay? You know, so... Um, the next day, I get called into the office, and, and the HR guy chewed me out. You can't do that. There's nothing in that store that's worth more than you are. If that ever happens again, you're getting fired. We're going to write you up. Da-da-da-da-da. Da-da-da. And he just rips me one. And then he says, you need to go talk to, what's his name? He was the president of our whole region. He wants to have a word with you. I'm like, I'm getting fired. Dang it. And this, listen, this is, if you want to hit me over the head today, I'll fall on the ground and say, please don't hurt me because I'm old now. This was like 35 years ago or something like that that this happened, or 30 years ago. So I go, I go into the guy's office. He goes, man, that was great, the president of our whole company. That was awesome. We passed this video around to everybody. We got, you got to watch what happens here. Watch. So first you do, and he's giving me a play-by-play on everything that happened, right? And he says, are you okay? Or this, do we need to cover this? I said, no, this, it wasn't deep enough for stitches. They put a, a whatever butterfly thing on it. It did break my glasses. Here, here's a couple hundred dollars. Take the rest of the week off. You get the time off with pay. We're going to move you to a different store so that somebody doesn't come back and kill you. But man, that was awesome, right? Lost my cool. I did. I lost my cool. Another time I was coming out of a stadium with, uh, with some teenagers, and I saw a dude hitting a woman. I lost my cool. And I wish I would have handled a little bit better, you know. And I didn't hurt the guy or nothing like that, but he definitely knew that he wasn't going to do that to that girl again. But there are things that trigger us, right? And, we're, and what are we, and, and you know what, we're not always responsible to take care of what's happening around us, except, you know, we got we to help, help the fatherless, help widows, help people, help, help people that are victims. And we got to jump in sometimes and and, and do a little street justice without losing our testimony. I understand that. But that's what that verse means, be angry and sin not. Because here's the thing. Be angry and sin not means, yes, I'm angry at that. I'm not going to let that happen anymore. But I'm not going to continue doing something stupid that's going to hurt me the rest of my life. Right? I hope you understand what I'm talking about. Because the Bible, this is very clear, too, about relationships. Be angry and don't sin. And then it says this, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. When we're talking about anger, you know, we don't. You're, oh, Ed, you're talking. Okay, I get that. Yeah, that's injustice. I agree. Oh, glad. I'm glad you kicked that guy's butt. But, you know, really the anger on, on, on a personal level means husband and wife stuff, father to kids, 
workers to co-workers in a real practical sense. Uh, let God's word become your counselor. That's, that's, that's one thing you can do to help control your anger. Here's another one. Lower your expectation of people, but expect more of yourself. People are going to let you down, man. They're just going to let you down. There's not one person in this world that you should hold to a higher standard than yourself. The problem is when we hold somebody else to a higher standard that we have on our own, they're going to let you down because you can't even keep that standard for yourself as well. And that causes us to be angry at people. Here's the next thing. Discern the difference between a mountain and a molehill. Did you ever see yourself get mad at something that you shouldn't have been mad at in the first place? And you go back and you went, I can't believe I got really mad at that. I can't believe I let that, I, that I said those things I said or let that impact a relationship that's more important to me than this dumb thing that happened. Wow, that happens to all of us. Work on developing your patience. Work on it. Like, pray to God. God, help me. And that's, that's such a dangerous prayer, isn't it? God, help me to be more patient. Well, then I shall help thee. <laughs> like this like hard thing you got to deal with in your life. Right? Resist the temptation to react. Learn to respond. You see, reacting, physics tell you for every action, there's an equal what? Reaction. So reactions happen spontaneously, right? If I kick this pulpit right here, it's going to hurt my toe if I kick it harder because I have an ingrown toenail right now. It'll hurt really, really bad. So if I kick that really, really hard, ow, it's going to hurt because that's going to be the reaction. I'm going to feel that, right? But if I say, you know, instead of kicking that because it's out of place, I'm going to respond. I'm going I'm to think about it. I'm just going to fix it this way instead of kicking it, right? And is that true with our kids, moms and dads? You did what? Ah! How many of you parents in here hope your kids never tell everything that they saw inside your house growing up? There's three honest people in this room this morning. Okay, I'll put my hand up for some of you that aren't, okay? No, we, because your, your kids have seen the best and the worst in you, haven't they? Right? So resist the temptation to react. Think about it for a second. You know, if your kids do something really bad, or they cross the line, or they, like, like they hit that button that you have after a bad day, say, listen, I'm going to go. You sit here in your bedroom, and you think about this for a second. I'm going to go in the other room and get a drink of iced tea, or Pepsi, or Coca-Cola, or coffee, and I'll be back in about five minutes. Get your composure back, and then respond. Reaction gets you in trouble. Right? And we always... Do you ever react to somebody that's mad at you and you come back later and say, dang it, I wish I wouldn't have had to said it that way. I wish I would have thought it out a little bit more. That's what responding means. Listen to what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything that's praiseworthy, it says this, meditate on those things. Right's telling a brother in the church this week, read through Proverbs. Read a proverb. Going through a situation, read through the book of Proverbs a little bit every single day. If you're praying for wisdom about this area in your life, then saturate your mind with things that are good and just and holy and pure and, and praiseworthy. Don't fill it with Netflix and Showtime. That's not what's going to teach you to respond properly, church. And here's the last thing this morning. Loosen your grip on stuff. Man, don't our things cause us to get mad at stuff sometimes? 
and the way that people treat our things and the way that, that, that people are towards our money. And you, money, I heard somebody say, well, you know money's the root of all evil. No, it's not. No, 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 no. The love of money. And you know, loosen your grip on your stuff means this. Love people more than your possessions. Right, because your stuff... Man, if you have stuff right now, we're moving. Kim and I sold our house. We're not moving out of the car. We're just moving. And we, we rented an apartment. We're actually in the first apartment we started with, so it's a little bit of a cycle that's happened in our life. But we're, we sold our house. Guy gave us a cash offer, and we sold it in three weeks. So we have to get out of our house in three weeks. So we're like, it's like crazy time in my house right now. We're going to buy a house, and da, 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 da. if you want to talk about it, we can, but you're going to have to buy me a meal because I'm really tired. So... Or we've got all this, all this crazy business going on in our life, right? And, and what, what, what's kind of happened with us, because, because of that, we're doing a big purge. We're throwing away stuff that we had to buy. Is somebody tracking with me on that? we got to get this for our... You know how many boxes of stinking Christmas decorations we have right now? I bet you we have 15 boxes of Christmas stuff. I said, babe... She says, if it was up to you, we'd put all of our Christmas decorations in a shoebox. Ding, 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 right? And that can, you know, that can, if we're not careful, that stuff can cause us not to treat each other the right way. No, honey, I, I love this Christmas decorations, and I, I want you to buy more, because that's, that's what I want you to have. Let, let's just keep our Christmas decorations up all year long. Like, and it's funny, because she, she wants, like, all these... And we put our stuff down on the 25th of the 26th of December, so that's a whole other issue for us. But if your stuff is that important to you, 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from their faith, even in their greediness, and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Listen to what it says in Proverbs uh, chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. First, help me to never tell a lie. That's a good word. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Just give me enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? If I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Proverbs 16, 32. Better to be patient, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to control a city. So here, here's what I want to say, and we're going to pray. You can be 100% right by being angry about some things. Every time I talk about anger, somebody's going, you know what somebody's going to send to me today? Jesus was angry. Well, you're not Jesus. <laughs> That's an easy argument to solve pretty quickly right there. Yeah, but didn't he flip over the, yeah, there's a difference with some of those things where we have self-control, right? It's better to be 100%, you can be 100% right about being angry about some things, but listen, church, you can be 100% wrong about it if you don't respond properly. I mean, how many times have we hurt relationships? Have we hurt other people? Have we hurt our testimony? Have we hurt the name of Jesus? Because we're not responding the same way, you know? Um, I'm going to tell you this story and we'll pray. Long time ago, um, we were with an adult and my kids were all little at the time. And this adult got mad at something. It wasn't Kim. <laughs> and they dropped the F-bomb in front of my kids. And I said, man, you can't, you can't talk like that in front of my kids. And it happened again. And I said, dude, if you don't get this kind of under control, you're going to lose opportunity to be around my kids. 
because I don't want them remembering you like that. I don't want them to see you as the angry cussing. I want them to see you as the, you know, the huggy guy and all that kind of stuff. Man, that was a hard conversation, but it was great because it, 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 the, 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 the dynamic and the behavior changed, right? How do people see you? Let me, if people were to, if not you, but if somebody else, your husband, your wife, somebody that's really, really close to you, were to analyze your anger, would they say that you're an angry person? Like, do you bring a room up with happiness and joy and, or do people like when you come in, they're like, mm. because they're afraid of how you're going to respond. Ask God, because I can't help you with it. I can encourage you, pray with you, counsel you a little bit on it. But you got to go to God, the author and the finisher of our faith. Get into his word. Not just read a verse and say, okay, God, help me not be angry anymore. Get into his word and ask God to change that about you. Because here's the thing about God. He's the miracle. He's God in the miracle business. What other people say you can't change, God can change just like that when you submit to him. That song we sang, he turns graves into gardens, right? That's what he wants to do in your life. Bury that anger. Give it to the Lord today. Confess it to him if you need to. If you need somebody to talk to you about it, sometimes counseling is very, very great in that area. I'll help you with that. Marianne will be glad to help you with that or refer you to somebody if you'd like to. But give it to her. Don't let your opportunity to have an influence on our hurting world today. Don't let that go away or be impacted negatively because anger is a prevailing characteristic about your life. Father, there's a lot of things in the Bible we get juiced about talking about. The death, the burial, the resurrection, life change, streets of gold, heaven, un unconditional forgiveness, unconditional love, blessing, 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 blessing. I love all that stuff. But even studying this week, Lord, it was tough because I know I get mad about stuff sometimes. And I don't want to ever talk to my kids or talk to my beautiful wife or talk to our amazing staff or talk to people in my life in a way that's going to not only just hurt my testimony and what people think about me, even worse, Lord, hurt, hurt the way people think about you. So I pray over every man and woman in this room, if anger is something in their life they're struggling with, that they'll lay it down. They'll ask God to give them strength not to react, but to pray and respond. They'll ask God to help them to be somebody that's known for their peacefulness instead of their anger. They'll ask God to give them strength that, that they could be even somebody that's helping soothe others that deal with anger. Lord, I ask for victory in this area in everybody's life this morning. And if there's anybody in this room that's in an abusive relationship or anger where there's even physical or emotional hurt that's involved, Father, we pray today that you would give that person the courage to talk to us after church today. We don't want to see anybody be a victim of those things. And we want to see all of us be a victor in this area with you. We thank you and love you. I just want to ask you a question as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If this is an area in your life, I'm not going to ask you about other people. This is an area in your life where you want to grow. I want to grow and not react. I'm not saying you're the Tasmanian devil or you're a bull at a china shop, but you know that sometimes you get mad when you shouldn't. And you would just say, you know what, Pastor, I'm giving that to the Lord today. Would you pray for me? If that's true about you, would you put your hand up in the air? All over the room. All over the room. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Every man and woman, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord Jesus, our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen.